It's so important, isn't it, to keep the main thing the main thing. Um, a woman bought a parrot to keep her company, uh, but returned to it. Uh, t- uh, returned it the next day, uh, going to the uh, the shop and said, "This bird doesn't talk." She told the owner, "Does he have a mirror in his cage?" He asked. Parrots love mirrors. They see their reflection and start a conversation. The woman bought a mirror and left. Next day, she returned. The bird still wasn't talking. Well, how about a ladder? They see there they, they, um, Parrots love ladders. A happy parrot is a talkative parrot. The woman brought a ladder and left. Next day, she was back. Does your parrot have a swing? No. Well, that's the problem. Once he starts swinging, he'll talk up a storm. Woman reluctantly bought a swing and left. When she walked into the store the next day, her countenance had changed. The parrot died, she said. Store owner was shocked. I'm so sorry. Tell me, did he ever say a word? He asked. Just before he died, the woman replied in a weak voice. He asked me, don't they sell any food at that pet store? Sometimes we miss out and forget what the main thing is, don't we? Over the past few weeks, we have been doing a number of uh, things. We've been looking at a number of things. And um, we should have our first thing. This is what we've been looking at, hopefully. There we are. We've been looking at Romans. And we've been on this exploration, on this journey And in a sense, today we're going to focus in on what is the point of it or what is the main thing that Jesus has done for us. We've been through the valley of sin, acknowledging the fact that each one of us is in need of hope, in need of life, that actually we are heading towards death unless salvation comes in, as the second one says there. And then once salvation comes through Christ, we can know peace and then we can know hope. That beautiful verse in 5 Eight, where it says that God shows his love for us and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And here we go into talking about, if you like, what the heart, the main thing of what it means to follow Jesus. And that is that you are free. You are free. You are free. One of the most glorious things to know, isn't it? We are free. We are free to be ourselves. We are free to be the people that God has made us to be. We are free. We should be the freest bunch of people out. And yet so often as Christians, we're known as the tight-lipped, buttoned-up, boring bunch of people. We are free. We are free to be who God has made us to be. We are free to know him and free to operate in all that he has made for us. One of the wonderful things about our vision statement is we talk about transformation. We say that in Jesus, that in knowing Jesus, we are transformed. And that's what we're longing for, to see people transformed in the love of Jesus, one life at a time. That no more are we held back by sin or death or despair or fear. We are free. I read about this guy yesterday. It is working. No, next, previous one. We are free. Glyn Simons, 70 years old, 
first Christmas since he was let out from prison back in July this year after 48 years of being in prison for a crime he didn't commit. Glynn said when he was asked the question, what does it mean to be free? He said, it's exhilarating. Now how many times when people say, well, do you follow Jesus? Do you say it's exhilarating? But that is what we are being called into. I'm sorry I'm going to get excited, but I really am. Because there's something exciting about knowing Jesus, which is the main thing is we are free. We are free. It's a beautiful thing. Jesus has paid the price so that we can be free. Total grace, unconditional. It's a free gift. It's not a match funding thing, some sort of scheme where we put in what we can and then God match funds it with us. It's fully, completely paid for and we are free. It's a free gift. And yet for many of us, in fact, the guys here are almost tempted to believe, is that really true? In fact, they even found themselves warping it by saying, well, if there's so much grace, then does that not mean that therefore we can sin? Does that mean that actually we can have the grace and know that actually we can carry on doing what we've always done anyway, and we can, we can continue to do those things? And he pushes back with this in the verses here. We read at the beginning when they say in verse 1, it says, what shall we say then? Shall we go on sinning? Shall we continue doing that, that grace may increase? By no means. Jesus has done what it is. We're not called to look back. Don't look back. Because what you had, a, what you had before was actually slavery. So why would you want to get back into slavery? Because you're called to be free. Why would you want to do that? I always find it sometimes, even when we, we're tempted to do that, sometimes, even when you hear the old testimony from time to time, people have become Christians. And when they talk sometimes about what they came from, they almost like slightly uh, wish they were back there. But they should actually be saying, no, that was a place of what I thought was great, what was fantastic. Now I know freedom, freedom in Christ. And that is what we should be saying, Lord, give me more freedom in you. Give me more freedom in following you. There are things that we have to grapple with, which we're going to talk about in a moment. But actually, we need to know more freedom in Jesus. So we're thinking about freedom. You should have heard that word already. Freedom in Christ. There are two things I want us to hold on to that we're called to do in this chapter to experience. Firstly, to know it. To know it. Verse 2, it says here, By no means we are those who have died to sin. How can we live in it any longer? We died to sin. How can we live in it any longer? You see, dead people don't sin. Dead people don't sin. Free people can, and they have to make a choice within that, but dead people don't sin. And there's a picture he uses here. He goes on to say of baptism. Baptism, as we particularly think about it, when we think about when we do adult baptism, particularly because actually what it's talking about, it's talking about this picture as we go down in the water fully. Under the water, there's a dying to the old and the rising to the new. He's saying you were dead in those things. You were buried and you rose to new life. And we have that new life in Jesus. For we have been united with him in a death like his. We will certainly also be 
uh, united with him in a resurrection like this. Because what he's saying is a bit like the little bookmark. You're going to get prayer bookmarks. It's like we are completely surrounded in Jesus when we come to him. It's like we're surrounded in him. We come in Christ. We are in Christ. We're in him. But it says, interestingly enough, it's not just that we are in Christ. It's, it's as if we are buried and we rise again in him, with him. We are, if you like, co-buried, co-crucified, um, you know, crucified, buried, and then co-resurrected. Do you see? We're right in with Jesus. And we're buried in him. We are in him. Sin is now no more fun. Well, it shouldn't be no more fun. And it's fascinating. We talk to many people who have become Christians. I remember mates of mine who have become Christians over the years. And they've often said, you know what? I didn't realize it was sin until I became a Christian. It was just something that I always did. And I thought that was the way it was. And then when I came to Christ, it's like suddenly I realized the darkness and the, and the, the, um, the fact that, that actually the stuff that came with it that, that seemed to give me with shame and guilt. Suddenly I realized those things. You see, in Christ something happens, that we are changed, that we die to those things. And you see, it's not that we look back and say, I wish I was in those things. We say, actually, I can live for something more. I can think for something that is freer. I can live beyond, not dwelling on why, can't, why am I sinning, but actually, what can I be? Because I'm free in Jesus. I no, one, no more need to dwell in those things. It's true for all of us. It's not for certain people. There is a status change. If you've asked Jesus to come into your life, you are set free in Jesus. You're not a sinner. You're a saint. You're not a sinner. You're a saint. Now, you may not feel dead to sin right now, but that is what's going on. Because let's be real. We often don't feel like that. I don't know whether you experience the Reality that sometimes it's perfectly possible for something to be true about you without knowing it to be true. All right? About three weeks ago, my daughter decided to ask me to do some craft. I'm not really into craft, and certainly I was particularly half interested in doing this. So we decided, she said, oh, let's make some of these things with a felting. You know, felting, you know, done felting, you know, where you do this thing with wool. All right, and you felt and you felt was to make something for hanging on the Christmas tree. Okay, it was a lovely sort of father-daughter thing. I thought, okay, I better do it. So I'll do it. Okay, and I wasn't particularly approaching it right, but I thought, okay, I'll make it. I'll make a little seal. Okay, a little seal because that's quite an easy one rather than a, a sheep or one of the other things that you can make. You make. A whole load of complicated things. My daughter's brilliant at it, but there I was doing this like this. Anyhow, I was really getting like, and I glanced up and went chunk. I went straight into my thumb. Okay. I went straight into my thumb at that point and I yelped out. I was not good at that point. I'm pathetic. I become a little 12 year old boy and I scream and I go, Hesse fit the lot, all right? Went straight in there. Oh, it was seriously painful because the barb is in there. It's a little barby thing. Not Barbie, but Barb thing goes in, and it, that's what makes it all. I won't go into the ins and outs of this, this craft experience, which is dangerous and should never be touched. Okay. Like gardening, you know, things like that. They're the only things I've ever been injured in my life. I've been played sport all my life, rugby, football, cricket. I've broken my uh, one finger once. The only areas I've had significant injuries has been gardening and crafting, okay? So I put this thing in there, and I thought, oh, this is really bad. Anyhow, the next few days, I thought, oh, just get over it. 
Andy, grow up, be a man, all right? And it was a little bit painful uh, and whatever, but you just learn to live with it and, and just sort of get on with life and whatever. Anyhow, about three weeks on, it really is starting to get a bit hard and it's starting to go a bit white at the top there. I'm thinking, well, you know, it's not quite right, but, you know, and I'm not being able to do up my buttons, but, I mean, you, you experience that when you get older anyway, don't you? But, you know, the fact is I was finding it more difficult than normal to do the buttons up. So, in the end, the long and the short of it is I went into the... Uh, Walking clinic, which is fantastic. Always go in a walking clinic when there's a strike, okay? When you're in a strike, nobody's there. That's true. They said that basically when there's a strike, I could go on for hours about this. Um, I won't. But when there's a strike, less people go to the hospital. Right, okay. So I went to the walking clinic, Finchley Memorial, all that stuff. Walked in. They said, oh, okay, we'll look at it. Thinking, what a baby, right? Um, but we'll give you an x-ray, okay? First x-ray that came up was this, all right? Look, oh, Little spot, thought, wow, tiny little splinter been causing lots of issues in there. I was carrying on fine and whatever. And they thought, I thought, well, you know, that's, that's fine. A bit pathetic, really, but whatever. And they said, oh, well, let's do a different angle. And they got that one there. Okay. Oh, yeah, it's exciting for a Sunday morning, eh? Woo! You see, I had something in there that I wasn't aware of. I needed someone else to point it the reality. That's the point I'm making from this, all right? There certainly was a point in there. They've extracted it, took it out, and um, I'm, uh, I'm feeling a bit better today. You see, the point is, is that um, we can be unaware of actually what is going on. I was glad it was pointed out. You see, in Romans 6, we believe in Christ. We're united to him, whether we realize it or not. And so first thing I want to say to us, anybody who knows and loves Jesus here, Realize the fact you are dead to the old things and alive in Christ. That is the basis of your freedom. What we believe is what we become. That's why we need to understand it. Firstly, know it. Secondly, I went on way too long on that illustration there. Live it, okay? Live it. This is the second part of what he's saying there. Because what we need to do is we need to, in practice, we need to become in practice what we are in Christ. Because the reality is that sin is still around and still at work within us. And we live in the battle of it. He acknowledges that in the second part of it. Because he acknowledges that even though we believe it, very often we don't live it. Moving on to verse uh, 17 or so. It talks about, sorry, of, of chapter... This is of chapter 17. Even he acknowledges there, which we're not going to read that chapter, even though it's part of this thing. Paul himself says it. For I do not do what I want to do, but the evil I do not want to do, this I keep on doing. Now I do what I do not want to do. It is no longer I who do it, but it's sin living in me. I'm still struggling with this. Even though I'm dead to sin and alive in Christ, I'm still practically got to work it out. And it's true, it is a battle. You know the old phrase, isn't it? Old habits die hard. It's saying here, really, that that is true. It's saying in 12 and 13, Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body. What it's saying is that in our mortal body, that in our body itself, there is still sin at work and still ranging and still working. It's still at work within us. And it's saying, so you shall not obey its evil desires. Do not offer any part of yourself to sin as instruments of wickedness. What it's saying is, there's still the battle to deal with sin in our lives, which actually requires this different way of thinking from freedom to bring to that thing. So the things that we look at, 
the things that we talk about, the way we do things, the way we are about ourselves. We are wired up in freedom, but there is a struggle to work it out. And we have to choose God or sin in those situations. God longs for freedom, but so often many of us are held in bondage. I don't know whether you've, uh, Zig Ziglar came out with this a few years ago. This is a jar, and he talked about how it's possible to train a flea, all right? If you put a whole bunch of fleas in a jam jar, screw on the lid, as the flea jumps, and a whole load of fleas, you can do it, you can try it out at home when you get home, but a whole load of fleas in a jam jar, as it jumps, it keeps on banging against the lid, all right? Not enjoyable for them, but in time, those fleas will adjust their height of jumping to the point where you can take the lid off and they will only jump to the height of the lid. And even when they have little fleas, they will do the same, bizarrely. They're in bondage, if you like, to what they are being uh, held to. Strongholds, you see, can still hold us. And if you like, hold us in. There are strongholds of bitterness, of fear, of pride, of anger, of rebellion, of depression, of anxiety, of addictions, of doubt. What it's saying is we can be set free. We're going to watch a a brief video uh, and a brief testimony before we uh, draw things in. But let's watch this. Smoking and drinking and drugs are cool, you know. <laughs> they're, the, they're the addictions people like to talk about. But porn, that's a problem we need to talk about. I was probably about 13 years old when I had my first exposure to pornography. I was around a friend's house after school. We played some PlayStation. And eventually we got a little bit bored. And he said to me, why don't we look at some porn websites? And I didn't even know what that was. I was familiar with chess. That was my context for the word porn. <laughs> the chess piece. So I, I was completely unprepared for what was suddenly in front of me. These images that was, were on my friend's computer screen. And I was kind of equal parts shocked and curious. A new door had opened into this curious world that I'd never explored before. And I just, I dived in. I lived like that for a few years, going through the, this cycle of attending church on Sundays with my family, but knowing that I had this secret life that was being lived behind the scenes that felt wrong. One summer I went to a Christian festival with some friends and there was one speaker in, in one of the sessions. He shouted over the crowd and he said, There's something on you, and God can see it, and I can see it. You know, immediately my mind went to this, these struggles that I've been having, the porn, the addiction, all of that. I know that that is the thing that was that was weighing me down. So when He asked people to respond, to stand up and receive prayer, for I guess for for Jesus to come into your life and do something miraculous, I, I I've got to respond to this. So I stood up. I felt like a burden had lifted off me. There was a lightness that I hadn't experienced before. And I knew in that moment that I'd been set free from that slavery to sin that I'd been living in. 
what Jesus has accomplished for us is so important because it's about more than just stopping us from doing bad stuff. For me, there was that huge thing that was broken off my life, but it doesn't mean that I was suddenly perfect and I'm Jesus now. We all of us have that, that daily journey, that process that we're on um, of being formed in the likeness of Christ. We are, if you like, living in our mortal bodies. If you like, our spiritual software, to use a a pretty poor analogy, is, if you like, may have been upgraded by knowing Jesus, but actually the hardware, the old kit, is still malfunctioning. And some of that has been fallen into place for a variety of reasons that's caused it. We are a new creation, if you like, and yet we still inhabit the old creation. That's the battle that we have. And the challenge is to live in the freedom of Christ, to live in that. It means that actually um, we need to bring those things that we need to be honest about in our lives that actually break our relationship with God. That if you like, we've become enslaved to him. We need to be honest about that. Yes, Jack mentioned about there about porn. But it may be other addictions, addictions to anger, addictions to, um, uh, you know, gossip, addictions to fear, addictions to a whole load of things. And we actually need to be real and honest about those things to say maybe particulars would begin a new year. Lord, recalibrate my, if you like, the hardware of my life. Speak your spiritual software of Jesus right into those areas of my life. That I know because you have done that enough for me can set me free. I consecrate myself. I give myself fresh to you. I love the pictures that he gives. I come into land in verse 16 about slavery. I have no idea what it would be like to be in slavery. And there's still, you know, there are more people now in modern slavery than there were ever in the whole period of time of slavery that we often refer back to prior to the 1830s and Wilberforce and all that stuff. But you see, we are slaves formerly owned by sin. Now we are, as he says, verse 16, slaves to righteousness. In a roundabout way, it's not right term, but we are not possessed by sin anymore. We are possessed by God himself, by Jesus. I love this story. In the days before the abolition of slavery, a slave was among many men that were being sold at auction. And as the bidding went on, as the bidding went on, he noticed a a foreign-looking man leading the bidding. And every time the bidding went in for him, uh, it was increased so much so that each time there was a counter-bid, this guy would continue to do that. He began to curse the man. He said, if you buy me, I will never work for you. I'd sooner die than work for you. If you buy me, I'll try and kill you. He knew that if he was bought by this foreign buyer, he'd be separated from his family and relatives and most likely not see them ever again. Anyhow, ultimately, he was sold to the foreign bidder who paid the money to the auctioneer, received the bill of trade, of sale, and walked over to the slave. 
The crowd waited to see what would happen. Would there be a kickoff with a fight of some sort? But the man reached the slave, stretched out his hand with a bill of sale and said, Take it. You are a free man. The slave looked blank for a moment then fell to his knees. Sir, he said, I will serve you and go with you wherever you want. Your home will be my home. Your concerns, my concerns. And your wish, my command. I am yours. Let's know it, that that is what we, what, what Jesus has done for us. He has paid, if you like, the bill of sale. And what is our response to be? We might say, well, I, you know, I don't want to be with you. All we can say is, I am yours. Because you have set me free. I know for myself, there are areas in my life that uh, I still struggle with, but there are many areas of my life that actually God has dealt with. As I've said, I am yours in this area. I want to die to those things. I want to rise to the things that you want me to be. I want to be free in those things. Know who you are. You are loved. You are chosen. You are bought with a price. We don't have to sin. Sometimes you hear people say, they go, oh, but I'm only human. As a sort of cover for, well, that's the way I am. We don't have to sin. That's what Paul is saying here. We are in Christ. We are free. We don't need to come under that tyranny. It has no more power over us. We have a new master. To return to sin is like returning to the work for the old boss that we've longed to leave. We need to learn to live free. His voice is calling to you and to me. You are mine. You don't have to do this anymore. In those moments when you feel drawn into it, the things you want to say or do or think, you don't need to do that. That is the freedom that we have in Jesus. Let's set our hearts not on all the things we haven't done or what there is, but the things that are to be, to set our hearts on holiness. These beautiful last two verses I'm going to read. Um, but now that you have been set free from sin and have become slaves of God, the benefit you reap leads to holiness and the result is eternal life. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. You're not alone. If you need help in this, get accountable. Talk to someone and say, you know, actually there's things in my life I need to get free from. Help me. Pray for me. Hold me. Walk with me. I'll make myself accountable to you. Do it. It's not worth holding ourselves back from being free in all that we can be in Jesus. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for freedom. In you. We recognize that very often we forget what you have done for us. That grace is to not just get us to heaven as some sort of insurance policy, it's more than that. That we are to live free. And we have the opportunity to do that. Lord God, we're sorry that so often we look back instead of looking forward in freedom. I pray, Lord, that for each one of us, we would know that to be true for us today. 
and in the weeks ahead, Lord Jesus. That, Lord, as a church as well, be a place where people discover freedom in you and fresh joy in following you. In Jesus' name, amen.